Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. To the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman, as always with you, here covering the offseason for the 2021 World Series champion Atlanta Braves. But I'm very happy to welcome back a person who took time out of her busy schedule to talk with us back during the Braves World Series run. Her name is Jessica Kleinschmidt, and she has been kind enough once again to join me here on the Daily Hammer. Jessica, the last time we talked, the Braves were trying to win the World Series, but they actually won it. But thank you very much. Uh, I, I'm, we're pretty excited to hear your thoughts on the Braves being world champions. Um, yeah, I, I, I was very, very excited for them. And I, you know, growing up, I was a TBS girl. Braves were the reason I even kind of knew baseball existed. Um, so I think that was really cool. Just like a part of my childhood was smiling, but it was well-deserved, loved the the celebrations and all of that. And then of course, after the national, the football championship, I just feel like the people of Georgia are very, very happy right now. Agreed completely. And thank you so much for taking time again out of your schedule to join us. How have things been, you know, over in your area of the world? I know that baseball obviously has has had a pretty uh, tumultuous offseason, I guess I could say. But the sports world in general seems to be consistently getting back to normal. But how have things been where you are? So far, so good. I feel like we're all kind of adjusting to the new norm um, as as much as we possibly could. Um, yeah, baseball is on a hiatus right now, and it sucks, not going to lie. I love the offseason. Like I told you before we started recording, it's my first full-time offseason as a baseball reporter, um, so I'm extremely bored right now, um, now that I'm not covering all the other sports. So I'm um, just praying that these negotiations get done and people get their stuff together so we can get some of these trades going, these off-season moves going, because we don't want it to be like a mess the moment we get back to normal. But all in all, I think we're doing okay, all things considered. And of course, if you followed baseball for years, you know Jessica's great work. She has covered both the athletics and the Giants for NBC Bay Area. You can find her at KleinschmidtJD on Twitter. And of course, reached out to her because in general, just a great perspective when it comes to the game itself. And Jessica, I know that you know one of the reasons why you cover baseball is I would imagine because you've been a passionate fan for years before it became you know your daily job. And of course, you know seeing as awesome as baseball is before the pandemic, even during the pandemic, but now seeing what's going on with this lockout, you know, like you said, the offseason is typically an exciting time of seeing what teams improve, what teams change. But now it's just a reminder that there are just a lot of things that are less than I know about the game of baseball. And, and, and even if this lockout ends, it doesn't seem like that thing where 
baseball itself is a sport that has a lot of positive things going for it. It seems like even if the lockout gets resolved, there's still going to be a lot of negative things to iron out between both the Players Association and MLB baseball itself. I completely agree. I feel like once the the negotiations are, quote, solved, um, there's still going to be kind of a dark cloud over all of it because it is a tumultuous relationship between the league and its players. And unfortunately, I mean, that just is what it is. I don't believe it should be that way. If you look at all the other sports, that's not the case. And, you know, we also, we want the players to have a voice. Absolutely. I think that's what's very imperative. And we saw that heading in toward the COVID season. Um, we wanted the players to speak up and I'm glad that they did. And, you know, some of these, concerns or requests aren't you know far-fetched if you will if you look on both sides where you know fans aren't asking a lot uh, players want to be paid but they're deserved owners kind of saw during the 60 game season that they could be quite monetarily successful with only 60 games and I feel like that could be something to take into a, to effect and you know there's that one picture where Rob Manfred is talking to um, the head of the Players Association, and there's just there's not actual tension, but it's kind of you can sense that they, I mean they weren't making eye contact, and of course you're looking at these things and um, you don't know the context that's involved. But I'm really worried about how fans and players are going to view Rob Manfred, and there's already all that negativity surrounding it, and so that's tough. But I think there, I mean, there's obviously progress being made um, and spring training is right upon us um, literally within weeks of what we're used to and I know that because every year when the Valentine's Day candies are out that means pitchers and catchers are ready to report any day now um, and everything like that so it's going to be a tumultuous relationship for a while but I'm very glad that the players are having a voice and are speaking up. And Jessica, obviously, you know, with the perspective that you had, you know, talking with the players on the daily basis, covering the Giants and the Athletics, one thing that I've I've always wondered is, you know, even in the years leading up to this offseason, you could tell even a few years ago that this offseason likely was going to result in this lockout. Leading up to this, though, over the past couple of seasons, I know the pandemic has been the, at the forethought of many, but was this was there chatter among players about wondering what's going on, you know, leading up to this, what was going on with negotiations, things like that? Was it ever a part of everyday chatter, or was it just something that really didn't come up as a topic of conversation? For me personally, it wasn't brought up a lot. Now, covering the A's, the main thing that the players were asked of outside of, you know, the daily activities of being a baseball player was the A's relocation status. And I feel like that definitely covered up a lot of the the bigger picture items, if you will. I feel like after the pandemic, that was when, or during the beginning of the pandemic was when a lot of these questions were brought up. And it wasn't just about the COVID safety rules. It was about, you know, expanded playoffs or, you know, the wild card games. I know a couple of the players had issues with like the early start times and, you know, especially if your body is not adjusted and, and those are, you know, expanded playoffs were a big issue. Obviously minor league um, pay was a big issue and that was always being brought up. Now you have to remember minor league baseball is not, 100% umbrellaed underneath MLB, um, which is why they have a little bit more uh, levity, if you will. And that's why they're allowed to start on time. That's why they're allowed to, perhaps with this vaccine status, not necessarily have to be vaccinated type of stuff. And that's something that people need to pay attention to. 
Um, I could obviously sense a lot of tension, um, but I can't 100% speculate on that. But I knew for a fact that after the drama, and I quote drama because I had to witness a lot of it um, as much as I possibly could working from my room covering a full-on baseball season, I knew it was not going to be pretty. Um, I did not anticipate a lockout, however. Um, I knew it was going to be messy, if you will. But um, this, it, it's unfortunate that they're going through it right now. It certainly is. And even if, you know, you've heard about it for years, you were kind of prepared for it, things like that. Listen, you know, it's the, the negotiations, the lockout itself is one thing. But again, leading up to it, just with during Rob Manfred's, you know, time as commissioner, let's be honest, there's just not been a lot of positive things in general that have looked good about baseball, you know, compared to other sports. There, there's certainly been some negative things as well. And you're just hoping that at some point, maybe the resolution could allow for things to get a bit better. But at least one thing we do have right now, compared to December and the holidays and stuff like that, there still is plenty of things to talk about. And of course, Jessica, the announcement earlier this week, just two days ago, the 2022 MLB Hall of Fame class, David Ortiz, certainly deserving, earned enshrinement into the Hall of Fame. But perhaps an even bigger discussion is who did not make it. And of course, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling. I know, of course, with you covering you know, the teams in the Bay Area, Barry Bonds still certainly is a legend in that area. But just your thoughts overall. Obviously, Ortiz is deserving, but I just feel this class should have been bigger with truly deserving players that should have joined Ortiz getting enshrined. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it goes without saying that there are a lot of people that are passionate about Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds not being elected. And you guys have to remember that up until, you know, there was a certain point of the BBWAA where, uh, sorry, BBWAA. Did I say that right? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Um, uh, There's a lot of letters in there um, that before it was 10 years of staying on the ballot, there was 15. And if you look at the numbers, if you gave Clemens and Bonds the same class, you gave them an extra five years, they probably would have been elected in. My fear is you know, there's a possibility they, the Veterans Committee could vote them in. But if you look at the, who the Veteran Committee is, I don't really know. Um, they are 100% deserving. So is David Ortiz. And I actually listened to Will Clark, who, of course, is one of Barry Bonds' former teammates, talk about it. And he said... Um, I don't want to say, and I quote, but he said the reason why Ortiz was elected and Barry Bonds wasn't was essentially because Ortiz was sucking, you know, the media. He was BFFs with the media. And I feel like that's not fair to players, you know, and Andrew Jones is a part of, part of the, the panel. And Andrew even said, like, when he gets asked questions by the media, he's not going to go off on these story tangents. He's going to answer the question about, this is what I did. This is what the team did, and that's it. Does that mean the media doesn't like him? I don't know. And I'm going to ask a couple of players later what to be loved and disliked by the media means. I feel like that's important to wonder. Um, But it's totally unfair. Barry Bonds did something to me when I was a little kid that nobody else did. And that was when he went up to bat, you stop what you were doing and you would turn on sports center would stop what they were doing and bring you into one of his at bats. No other baseball player has ever done that in the history of the game. Um, and I feel like that needs to be taken into account and, you know, we're embracing PEDs and there's not just one, there's not just an HGH that you can ingest 
and all of a sudden you're hitting bombs over the wall. That's not how it works. That's why performance enhancing drugs, there's a huge list of them. There's greenies, there's uppers, there's a way, you know, drugs of um, choice. There's, there's other types of, of stuff, drugs of abuse, I should say, sorry, and everything like that. So that's extremely unfair. Um, also, when it comes to the writers themselves, a lot of those writers haven't even written in baseball for the last 20 years. And I, I found that out recently. And I'm a firm believer, and it sucks because you have people that played with Barry Bonds and played with Roger Clemens, who, you know, even before they were, especially Bonds, and he put the stuff in his system back in 93 or whatever, he was deserving of the Hall of Fame. And we all knew it happened. And you look at the history of the museum, he was a historical player, the best hitter. And Alex Pavlovich, who's the Giants beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area, said the most historical historically best hitter in baseball will not be in a museum about baseball. Like, what is that? That's devastating. And you even, you take the baseball number, baseball reference numbers out of it. The guy was just electrifying and just changed the, the, the face of the game. You have professional pitchers currently and who would face him who are vying him to be a part of the hall. You know what I mean? And, the, and people obviously frown upon, um, cheating and, and steroids and anything like that. Some of these guys would rather Barry be in the hall than members of the Astros. So it's just stuff like that. I can talk about this forever, but it's just, it's very disappointing to me, both as a journalist and as a fan. And, you know, as I grew up and, and got into this industry, I really wanted to have a vote. And now I just don't even know if I ever want to potentially have a vote because it just kind of, I don't think that it shows the truth character of what baseball means if you have certain individuals making this lifetime decision it's just i i don't find it fair at all hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts And, and, and I completely understand. And I, I'm someone, you know, who I, I've had various opinions on PEDs and things like that in baseball. I'm going to admit I probably am not, you know, I probably don't know as much as others. But I certainly also say this when it comes to Barry Bonds, just like Andrew Jones, just like Roger Clemens. When it comes to these players, at the end of the day, as a baseball fan, you easily can recognize these players who have it to another level that very few have it. And those mm -hmm. players certainly. Did. And for me, as someone who has grown up watching those players through the 90s, through the 2000s, so on, I badly want to see them get their honors because it, they were defining figures when I loved baseball. I still love it, but when I truly was loving baseball as a child. So I do agree with you. Now, another thing that I will say is this, is that though only one person made it this year through the voting process, you did see some improvements from players like Andrew Jones, from players like Billy Wagner and, and players such as that, that Scott Rowland. That typically is a good indication that these players should certainly be in the Hall of Fame. But in particular, Andrew Jones, you certainly hope that 
some point it's recognized, even though his career may not have played out like many other Hall of Famers did, you just, you got to go back to just how dominant he was as both the hitter and fielder to recognize how rare of a combo that was. I certainly think he has a very good shot to get into it. Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Andrew Jones. Yeah, absolutely. The guy, I've never seen a guy who, he was so wickedly smart. Um, both and obviously evens himself out both at the plate and, and in the outfield. And he also had a beautiful, you know, pitching staff to back him up who always hit their spots. And I feel like that was obviously extremely important. He always, and he admitted that too. He's like, you know, my teammates, they, you know, with everything like that, very humble guy, um, all of that. And I feel like he is the epitome of the all around perfect player. Um, yeah. Everybody refers to him as a future hall of famer. Um, he's very, humbled and bashful about it I'm right there with you yeah and I I love that athlete who's just overall good you know the five tool players if you will um and he was part of that TBS team that I grew up watching you know and I think that's great too and he's just you know he mentioned something on an interview recently and it really stuck with me and he talked about you know if you get elected how would that make you feel knowing this voting process and he said, you know, gosh forbid, if I don't get in, I know that my teammates thought of me a certain way. And he shouldn't even think about that, you know, and that's what sucks. And I, I, I'm pretty sure he'll get elected. But if, if that doesn't happen, you shouldn't even have that thought, you know, you should be able to get into the hall because of the numbers. And I don't understand that character clause. And obviously, Andrew Jones didn't have to worry about that. But Barry Bonds being kind of mean to the media, I, that's, that's silly to me. Even Kurt Schilling, I 100% do not agree with his beliefs sometimes, but the guy was sensational, deserves to be in the hall. So that kind of stuff it is whatever. But Andrew Jones, yeah, all around great player. If he's not elected into the hall, don't come near me because I'm going to throw a fit. <laughs> it's 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 the way that it is. And it's just, it, yeah. it gets more and more frustrating. As, as you mentioned, a lot of votes, like that's the thing that sticks in my crawl more than anything, to be honest with you, is if you don't even, if you have the right to vote, but you don't even take advantage of the opportunity to vote, I understand everybody has their opinion, and that certainly is fair, but if you don't vote on something that you have the right, when it comes to Baseball Hall of Fame, if you, if you turn in a ballot without any type of voting, where you don't check anybody's box, I just, I, I don't get it. It's just... It's frustrating to see at times. And and that's the other thing that stands out is that at some point you have to hope that things change up to where more deserving players eventually get in. I agree. And it'll be interesting to see how it transitions over time. And and I think that's just the game of baseball, right? If you don't adjust to the transitions, you're never going to make it. And I'm hoping they take that into account when it comes to the, the Hall of Fame voting as well. Well, one other player that, you know, certainly we in Braves country are all very interested to see play out in terms of the next step in his career is someone I consider a future Hall of Famer in Freddie Freeman. And Jessica, we talked about Freddie Freeman back during the playoff run. You mentioned on you know multiple occasions just how big of a fan of his you are. But the thing is, is that it seems like the most sensible outcome is still him remaining with the Braves. But let's also be honest, there is, you know, a reason to, you know, at least realize there's a relevant chance that may not work out since the Braves and Freddie have not worked something out already. We saw Ken Rosenthal's report. There's an idea that his situation could be resolved quickly once the offseason 
occurs. Just how important is it to you? And when you when you you know look at the scope of baseball and see how revered Freddie is in the game, just how important it is for the Braves and Freddie to make this work out? Because it just seems like in the end it remains the most sensible thing to do, especially coming off such a special season. Yeah, because I feel like Freddie Freeman's more than just the Braves. He's he's more than that organization. He's he's Atlanta, and he certainly is like the epitome of the All American guy, you know. And showing up to his son's practice, you know, really quickly before a game and everything like that. It's like that's what we ultimately want in a, in a baseball player. That's what kids want to look up to. That's what we want our fathers and our husbands to be like and everything like that. And I think it's so important to show loyalty to the area that has shown so much love toward you. Um, and like you said, they haven't done anything as far as assigning yet. You could blame that on the lockout, but there's obviously a reason for it. Um, we obviously aren't all GMs. We don't understand all the, the bits and pieces that go behind it. But I think signing somebody like him with that extension the monetary value is all worth it. You're, you know what you're getting with Freddie. Um, it's like I said, to the community, everything like that, it's bigger than his numbers um, and all of that related to it. But I also know um, in his defense, I think we're all kind of curious. I, you know, Mike Trout didn't want to hit free agency, but don't we all kind of wish that we would have seen it? Um, we saw what happened with Bryce Harper when he hit free agency, and that was interesting to watch. And if you're a free agent, are you all are you curious about what other teams are going to offer you? You know, especially during an off season where we're really obsessed with all these big name shortstops and mid infielders, and with him, in the same thing, you're getting the Corey Seegers and the Marcus Simeons of the world who are signing these big extensions, and you want to continue that trend and he might be curious what he's worth, but I also know that Freddie Freeman wants to be on the Braves and the Braves want Freddie Freeman to be on their team. And of course that kind of turns the page. We, we hope it's a page that we may not have to turn, but it does, you know, again, the relevancy that, you know, or the relevant chance that, you know, this may not occur. There may just be a team, you know, kind of like we saw 10 off seasons ago when uh, the, the Cardinals, you know, it looked like they were going to get Pujols, Albert Pujols, but the Angels came in with an offer he couldn't refuse. Could a team do that? You know, this off season, once it resumes, possibly. And of course, if that happens, Jessica, we've seen the reports as well, that the Braves have looked into contingency plans and one player in particular, multiple reports have suggested the Braves have looked into, they've done their due diligence on current at Oakland Athletics first baseman. Matt Olson obviously has ties to Georgia. Seems like just mm-hmm. an all-around very good guy. Outstanding player. Just for Braves fans, We again, we hope this doesn't come to fruition, but for someone who has covered Olson for his career, you know, what is that like? You know, what is the idea of getting Matt Olson look like for Braves fans who may not know much about him since he plays on the West Coast? Yeah, and to, I mean, you mentioned that he's a Georgia boy. And the thing I like about this possible contingent, this, this plan B, if you will, 
first of all, that's a vote of confidence if Matt Olson's your plan B. Um, but I had the opportunity to talk to his high school coach, and this guy is just a Georgia man. Now, Matt Olson, believe it or not, the reason why he's actually good with the A's is because he doesn't like a ton of attention. And I'm not saying that the Braves wouldn't give him a ton of attention, but I also like the idea of they would give him attention that's not like New York Yankee fans or the Boston Red Sox fans, where it's a lot of extra pressure. He likes to keep low key, but he's also a very serious ball player. And I feel like you would get the best version of him being closer to home and everything like that. And obviously we can't look at the numbers about how he plays in that area because they just don't exist. Um, but this, and despite the Braves winning the World Series, I don't think there would be enough, I don't say toxic, you know, pressure on him, but I've just seen how other teams could kind of treat their players as far as the fans go. Um, but I think overall it'd be a great fit. The guy is just, he's got so much unre unresolved, ridiculous raw power. Um, they obviously defenses know how to play him, but he also knows how to beat the shift. Um, they shift him just as much as they would like a Joey Gallo. Um, he's, you know, a gold glover at first base um, and could kind of, he has this beautiful way of, of course, you know, he, him and Matt Chapman have been playing together for like a trillion years, but he'll know the Matt Chapmans of the world, the Marcus Simeons of the world, um, Tony Kemp's, Elvis Andres's of the world. He's always one step ahead when he knows where that ball is going to go. He knows how the, his infielders work. And I feel like that's something that we don't discuss because when we think of a gold glove first baseman, we're like, how does that work? You know, we're used to be seeing these like web gem plays, but Matt Olson's great. He can dig the balls really well. He's obviously a bigger target. Um, like I said, he can understand where the ball is going to be coming to you when that happens. And of course, we don't talk about the defensive capabilities of first baseman. Really strong at turning double plays. Um, very aware. Um, I mentioned the power. Um, a smart baseball player um, and, you know, smart on the bases, smart overall, very, very intelligent. And I feel like he hasn't even peaked. And I feel like he won't for a while. And um, it's also very much up to A's alley to do some trade where they're going to be getting prospects because they are in this rebuilding mode because between him and like Matt Chapman, every team should be in on them because they're brilliant players and they're strong players um, that, you know, for them to flip for like very strong prospects is very much in their historic repertoire, if you will. So that's not something that's completely far-fetched, but like I said, having him as a backup plan, that's amazing. Well, and if I remember correctly, I think it was 17 years ago, not to the day, but it was 17 off-seasons ago where the Braves and A's did make their last at least major trade. I may be, it may be escaping my mind, but of course, you know, the Tim Hudson trade where he became a Brave. And Jessica, for what you, you know, you know, in regards to, yes, the A's do look to be in a rebuilding mode. This is something they do. They always retool instead of rebuild with, you know, how good the organization is at developing talent. But an idea, you know, the Braves, they have outfielders, they have pitching prospects, you know, catching prospects, things like that. Is there anything in particular the Oakland A's would be looking for in a package in return for Matt Olson, Or with where the A's are, is it just simply getting the best overall package of talent that could really help them retool as quick as possible if they were to trade Olsen? That's a great question. And my, my first thought would go towards shortstop. But, you know, because after losing, obviously, Marcus Simeon and Elvis Andros, um, Nick Allen is one of their top prospects who could be out there, but perhaps they bring in maybe a prospect. I mean, I have to double check the Braves situation, but they would maybe bring somebody in who is a little bit further as, as a, like further in his uh, 
major league starting capabilities, if you will. Um, obviously, losing outfielders like Mark Canna was, was big for them. Um, so perhaps like some stuff or some players to take over that aspect. You can never replace a Starling Marte, but you can try a couple fast guys on the bases, if you will. Um, and so that could be a possibility. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out, I mean, like Mark Codsey, I don't know how he's going to be as a manager. He'll be great, but I don't know what his mentality is. Cause when it came to Bob Melvin, he was very much obsessed with, you know, catchers of the world. And I don't really know who Codsey would want to look at as far as that goes, but um, it also could be a scenario where they're just like overall looking to kind of fill some spaces over the next couple of seasons. Um, but the shortstop position really intrigues me. That could be a possibility. It'll be very interesting to see. And that's that's another, you know, not necessarily lost narrative, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see when it comes to the A's, if free agency occurs again with some of the major players that are still out there, Carlos Correa, Freddie, other players, once those players are signed, you could see the A's really become a focus in the baseball world. And it'll certainly be interesting to see. And we'll see if that involves anything that may happen between the Braves and the A's. Jessica, obviously, I know that you have many things on your plate awaiting, just like the rest of us, the Major League Baseball offseason and hopefully the spring training and regular season to move forward. Anything that you have out there that's coming up as far as content from you that we can be looking forward to? Obviously, always wonderful content that comes from you for baseball baseball fans to enjoy. Oh, you're the best. Um, I do have an announcement coming up soon, very, very soon. Um, just kind of waiting for the, to sign the papers, if you will, but I have a cool announcement coming up very quickly and I'll have a ton of baseball content this season and I get to concentrate on a lot less things. So hopefully that content is a lot better than it has been in the past. Well, first off, congratulations on that opportunity. Obviously, we want to know that, know that the right time certainly matters. So best of luck to you. Certainly looking forward to that news. Uh, if you'll stick with us for just a second after we're done. But thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Again, you can find her at Klein Schmidt, at Klein Schmidt JD on Twitter. But Jessica, thank you so much as always for joining us. Thank you. Yep, her name is Jessica Kleinschmidt. Make sure to follow her work again at Kleinschmidt JD on Twitter, of course, on all forms of social media. Follow Jessica, the Talking Chop Podcast Network, at Talking Chop, and of course, the Daily Hammer. Until next time, plenty of pod- podcast content coming your way this weekend when it comes to the reaction to all the baseball news this week. Stick with us. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.